Well, let us turn in the scriptures then uh, for our reading to the book, the epistle of Paul to the Philippians and the fourth chapter. Epistle of Paul to the Philippians, we're going to read from verse 10. Philippians chapter 4 and the 10th verse. Philippians 4 then in verse 10, and the word of God reads as follows. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory, in Christ Jesus. Amen. I wonder if anyone here has ever worried about money. Probably you have, at at least at some point in your life. It's natural, and it's particularly natural in the current economic situation, with inflation going beyond 10% and increases in wages lagging far behind. And at times like this, we can worry that we are going to to miss out in some way. We can worry about the future. We can worry about our family, about our children, about our friends. Well, this evening we come to a passage where we find two examples of hardship, but we find God's provision in both. First of all, we have Paul. He's in prison. He's bound. He's without his liberty. And yet he bears testimony to the Lord's provision. And then we have the Philippians as well. They have self-sacrificially made a collection for Paul and sent it uh, by the hand of Epaphroditus, a financial gift to assist him. And I say self-sacrificially because we read elsewhere in 2 Corinthians that the Macedonians of whom these Philippians were a part were poor. And yet hearing of Paul's suffering Even from their own poverty, they they could not do anything but have a collection for him. Send a gift to assist him. And Paul, by way of encouragement, after the Philippians have voluntarily entered into perhaps further hardship by this gift that they have given to Paul, he concludes this section with these words of encouragement in verse 19. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory. In Christ Jesus. Just as God has provided for Paul, so also, Paul says, 
God will also provide for the Philippians. Though they've made this sacrifice, they will not lose out. God will provide their every need, says Paul. Well, this verse 19 is going to be our text for this morning. And uh, we're just really going, our points are going to have three points, really just going to work through um, the verse. The first point is, my God shall supply every need of yours. The second point, according to his riches in glory. And then the third and final point, in Christ Jesus. Well, first of all then, this first section, my God will supply every need of yours. Perhaps it's, it's worth mentioning at the beginning what this does not mean. This does not mean that every desire of the Philippians will be met. It doesn't mean that if the Philippians want the latest cooking gadget, a new Blu-ray player, a Rolex watch, it doesn't mean that they're going to be provided with that. This isn't a promise that God will give them whatever they want. Secondly, it, it isn't even a promise that God will provide us all those th- will provide them with everything that they feel they need, everything they feel would be helpful in making their life more convenient. It isn't a, a promise or not an absolute promise that you know if one of them's had a new baby, they could do with an extra bedroom. It isn't a promise that that the Lord will enable that to be fulfilled. It isn't a promise that if one of them really could do with a new kitchen and perhaps would use the word, so I really need a new kitchen. It isn't a promise that the funds for that will be provided. It isn't a promise that life will be convenient. And it doesn't even mean, and perhaps this one will come as a bit of a surprise, it doesn't even mean that they will avoid terrible trouble. That is made clear in the context. Paul has just been setting himself forward as one who, for whom God has provided his needs. Look at what he says in verse 11 there we read. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need. He's got this gift. He's saying, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned, in whatever situation I am, to be content. Paul is thankful for the gift they have sent him, but he will not con- concede that he needed it. Rather, verse 12, I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. It's after speaking in this way, of how even in his own situation in poverty, even in prison, without even his liberty, how in that situation he has been provided for, he has been sustained by the Lord. It's after that that Paul confidently tells the Philippians that even for them, God will also supply their every need. And if you're any, in any doubt about what Paul means when he says, in every circumstance he's learned to be content, let me just read a snapshot of Paul's life to you from 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 24. This is what Paul's life was. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I was adrift on the sea. On frequent journeyings, in danger from the rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This was Paul's experience as one for whom in each circumstance he was in. 
God had provided for his needs. No, what Paul is talking about here is not every perceived problem in our life being sorted. Now that is not to say, and listen carefully here, I do want to underline this. That is not to say that the Lord does not often, in his mercy and grace, provide the things for his people that do make their lives more convenient. That that person who could do with an extra bedroom won't be provided with the funds in order to do that. It doesn't mean that won't happen. In fact, it's quite remarkable the way the Lord does provide. I can bear testimony to that in my own life. David speaks in Psalm 37, doesn't he, about how he has been been young and now he's old and yet he's never seen the children of the righteous begging for bread. God does do that. And it It may well be that for these Philippians, that would be how this was worked out. It could well be that um, as the Philippians have made this um, sacrifice in sending this money to Paul, that actually, ultimately, the Lord will organize his providences in such a way that they hardly notice the sacrifice, that he overrules. I mean, Paul, after all, for, for all that he's saying this, has just been given a gift by the Philippians that will make his physical circumstances easier the Lord does do this we should recognise that he does some of you will be familiar with the story of Eric Little well portrayed though somewhat inaccurately in the film Chariots of Fire and Eric Little was due to run the 100 metre race in the 1924 Paris Olympics and he had a genuine chance of winning that race, winning gold in an Olympics game only to realise that the heats were to be held on the Lord's Day, on Sunday. And wanting to honour the Lord's Day as the Christian Sabbath, Eric Little said, no, I I can't race in it. And instead, he was given the opportunity to race in the 400 metre race. Though he wasn't really considered a serious competitor for that, he just, he wasn't up to it. And in reality, he was giving up his chance of a gold medal. But on the day when the 400 metre final was, was due to race, he was handed a piece of paper that said, in the old book it says, he that honours me, I will honour. And those words proved true. Against all expectation, Little um, went on to win the 400 metre race, breaking the world and Olympic records, and indeed his own personal best in that distance by around two seconds. That was God making up to little his sacrifice. Made to honour God. God providing for him. And God does do such things. We should recognise that. We should praise him for it. And that isn't even that serious an example of need, is it, in one sense? I mean, little didn't need a gold medal to survive. But yet the Lord graciously came in for him in that. So God does work in such ways. We should recognise that. But nonetheless... Paul plainly believes that his needs were being supplied, even as he was in prison. And that is why he was content. He had what he needed. Well, then what does Paul have in mind here? Well, as we've already said, it it does include those things of which we feel our need, which the Lord provides, and the Lord does bring these things in for us. But this is not a guarantee for that. Ultimately, we find the guarantee that Paul is giving here. In Paul's own experience. Read again verses 10 to 12 for you. Paul says. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. That now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me. But you had no opportunity. 
Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now at this point, we may think that Paul is sort of setting forward a sort of self-help technique. He's found a way of thinking about it. He's found a strategy for dealing with hardship, with contentment. But if that's what we're thinking, that's blown out of the water by the next verse, by verse 13. What does he say? How has he done this? Verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the key. There is one who is strengthening Paul. The way that Paul uses these kinds of expressions in other places would indicate that it's Christ that he's talking about here. It is Christ who is strengthening Paul. Paul has not discovered this ability in himself. He has discovered it in Christ. That's literally what we have here. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. Paul is able to be content. He's able to endure the suffering that he experiences and be content with it because he is in Christ, because he is united to Christ. That's his big secret. There are many things that are, that are offered out there. Money, sex, change in your identity, bigger house, health, being slimmer. Things that are set out there as the things that will solve your problems, that will make you happy. There isn't any of these things that enables Paul to say what he says here. In fact, he's done without any earthly thing. He's in prison. He's in bonds. But yet he is content. He is not in need because he is united to Christ. And Christ strengthens him. And ultimately this is God's provision. This is what enables him to do all things as he says in verse 13. At this all things, it doesn't mean that if he he really sets his mind to it, he he can pass his exam because Christ will enable him to do all things. That's the way this verse is sometimes used. It doesn't mean that. It means... That Paul can endure whatever God calls him to endure through Christ who strengthens him. And that might mean failing his exam. But the Lord will enable him to endure it. If our question at this point is how will God supply our every need? Paul's answer is he will do it by enabling us. By his grace to endure. By the strength that Christ gives us. That's it. Any trial. Any suffering. Let me ask you, what will you do with Paul's testimony here? He's learned to be content. He knows how to be brought low. He knows how to abound. He can face hunger. He can face abundance. He can face need. He can do it all in Christ. And there's that delightful expression, isn't there, at the beginning of verse 19. My God, he says, will supply every need of yours. The same God whom I have experienced in prison, that same God... That has enabled me to endure these things. My God will also enable you. He'll do the same for you. He will provide for you. This isn't a strategy Paul has. This isn't a self-help technique. This isn't Paul saying, if you do these steps then you'll be content. You'll, You'll find that you have your needs provided. No, he's saying, it's outside of ourselves. If we look to Christ, then he will strengthen. If you will look to him in faith and dependence... And he will not 
enable you to go through something beyond what you can bear. But your every need will be supplied, even if that's you being taken to be burnt at the stake, and the Lord providing his strengthening grace for you to do it. He will provide every need. Let me ask you, what will you do with this? Do you claim to be a Christian here this morning? But are you afraid? Are you afraid of the future? Maybe for you it's about your health. Maybe you're just worried about money. Maybe you're just worried. Will you believe this promise here? This promise that applies to you too if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. In many cases this will mean that those desires we have, that those things that that make our lives easier, that we feel we need, that they are met. God does work like that. Trust in him that if these things will be good for you, that he will provide them. But even if he doesn't, we have a God on whom we can rely. And Paul's testimony here from his prison cell was that Christ strengthens. That by his presence and his grace, he enabled Paul and will enable you too to endure. That's the first thing. My God will supply every need of yours. But now secondly, he will do so according to his riches in glory. Now to illustrate this point, let me maybe put it in, in more human terms. Let's say that you are worried, you know, with inflation like it is now, you're worried about how you're going to manage financially. And let's say that I come to you and I say, hey, don't worry. Whatever happens, I'll see you sorted out. You can fall back on me, I'll be your sort of bank of last resort if you like. Now, you might be grateful for that gesture, you might think, oh that was quite kind of Ben to, to say that to me. That provides you perhaps with a little bit of reassurance, but, but also you'd probably have some doubts, wouldn't you? I mean, you, as far as you know, I'm not sort of fabulously wealthy. And you think to yourself, is his situation really any more secure than, than mine is? And anyway, you think to yourself, I mean, he's, he's got his own bills to pay. He's got a wife, he's got three children, and needs to provide for them. And ultimately, you kind of come down on concluding that if I've got a choice between feeding my family, paying my own mortgage, and paying your mortgage, I'm probably going to end up paying mine. And ultimately, you conclude that, yeah, it's nice of Ben to have said that, but really, it doesn't really mean that much. Now let's change the scenario slightly. It's no longer me making this offer. It's Sir James Dyson, the inventor of the, the Dyson vacuum cleaner and one of Britain's wealthiest men, worth, when I checked, um, around £23 billion. Pounds. Well, that makes a big difference, doesn't it? Suddenly it's backed up with something much more significant. Your living expenses are probably chicken feed, kind of thing that, that Sir James Dyson considers loose change. Even if the worst happened, even if you were to lose your job, even if your, your pension went completely, um, you lost everything, he, he, Paul, Sir James Dyson would, be, would be, probably be able to see you through. He'd probably be able to pay your salary entirely if was needed. If you had reason to believe that Sir James Dyson really meant what he was saying, you'd actually probably go home with far fewer worries. 
But now we come to our text. What does this say? God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory. This is the one who created the heaven and the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The cattle on a thousand hills are his. God's riches are unlimited. There is no question that his resources will run out. Therefore you have nothing to fear. This is not one who cannot back up his promises. This is one who can literally move heaven and earth to provide for you. There's a limit to even what Sir James Dyson could do for you. But there is no limit to what God can do for you. But you know, it's actually even more than that. Not only will he give you the bare minimum, if you like. Paul says, my God will supply your every need according to his riches in glory. That is, corresponding to his riches. In a way that befits his riches. It's as if Sir James Dyson promised not only to maintain your standard of living, but to do so in a way that befits the way that he's worth 23 billion. God is no miser. He has riches and it is his intention to lavish them upon his people. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Let me ask you, do you doubt this? Do you worry that maybe, maybe the Lord will fail you? Well, put aside those thoughts. You have one who has all and is pleased to give his people all things. If you're a Christian and you claim to trust in God, will you trust in him? Will you receive a witness from Paul here? And perhaps you're afraid of trusting in him. Perhaps you're afraid that if you continue to, to give generously to the church, to give to those in need, that if you lose your job or something happens to your pension, or if simply if inflation just carries on at the current rate, that your savings won't be enough to see you through maybe. Or maybe some of the Philippians were tempted with those thoughts. They were poor after all. But yet sacrificially they gave to Paul a brother in Christ, a brother suffering and in prison. But having provided this gift to Paul, Paul says in return, my God shall supply every need of yours. I remember hearing a preacher say years ago, and it made an impact on me, I remember it. He said, if we believed that as we go around giving money away, that, that more money would appear in our pocket, we'd, just, we'd be doing it all the time, wouldn't we? Probably cause a kind of inflation problem on our own. You know, like, like the widow's cruise of oil with Elijah, with Elijah there. We, we would. We would just, we'd have no worry about it, would we? What a difference it would make to us then. If we did believe that our God would supply all our need. That's what God, through his apostle Paul, is promising here. Now, I'm not advocating recklessness here. The Lord does give us responsibilities. We're not to, to be foolhardy. But as the Lord leads and as the Lord enables. Are we of a generous spirit like these Philippians were? And maybe, maybe, maybe money isn't an option for you. But with our time, with the things that we can do. What is our spirit? Or are we worried? Are we frightened? Too frightened to actually step out in faith and serve God. Trusting in him. Perhaps for you, it's, it's not the future. 
Perhaps you just don't believe that God has given you what you need even now. Will you hear Paul's witness here as well? Will you be content? Will you look to Christ to strengthen you, to enable you, even in the present circumstances? To endure what it is that God calls you to endure. Perhaps part of your fear is that if, like Paul, you were called to to go to prison for the sake of the gospel... And that's something that I think could potentially happen in the future, even in our own land. Perhaps your fear is, you know, if I was faced with something like that, if I were faced with death, would I endure? Would I persevere? Well, maybe in your own strength you wouldn't, but hear what Paul's saying here. In Christ, we can do all things. Yes, in your own strength you can't do those things. But will you look to Christ, knowing that he will strengthen you when the time comes, that he will enable you, That this promise of Paul's is absolute in that sense. That though it mightn't be absolute that if you need an extra bedroom that will be provided. It is absolute. That what you need. In terms of the strengthening grace of Christ to endure will be provided. We look to him in the present difficulties. We look to him in faith for the future. He shall strengthen you if... You will trust in him. Well, we've had the first two things. My God will supply every need of yours. He will do so according to his riches in glory. But now thirdly and finally, he will do so according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. These words have a double application. Let me just say first briefly, that these words mean that all that I've said here this morning is only true. And can only be true in Christ Jesus. Outside of Christ, this isn't true. The Philippians have a God who will supply their every need, but it's only in Christ Jesus. Outside of him, aside from faith in him, that that isn't the case. Paul has learned to be content in all things, but it's only by Christ who strengthens him. None of this would have been available to him, aside from Christ. The riches of God poured out upon the Philippians could only be true because they were joined to, because they were united with, because they were in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you, where are you on this this morning? Know this, that there is a God, that there is a judge, that there is one to whom you will give an account for your life. And you know, if you're honest with yourself, that if those those shameful things you've done, if those, those shameful things that you've thought, if they were paraded up on the, on the screen here in front of us, you'd be, you'd be walking out of there in shame. You'd be able to endure people seeing the worst of you publicly displayed. Well, how do you think those things appear before the eyes of an infinitely holy and righteous God? Can you expect anything from him but judgment? But also know this, that Christ Jesus, this Christ Jesus of whom we've been speaking, that he has made a way. The second person of the Holy Trinity came to this earth, that he died on the cross for sin, for your sin, if you will trust in him. That those things that could be paraded on that board, that they'll be wiped away in the eyes of a holy God. If you will trust in Christ and the fact that he has paid the penalty, he has borne the shame for those sins. Well, you hear the invitation this morning for you too to become in Christ Jesus, to draw near to him.
To be part of what we're talking about. To receive forgiveness from your sin by trusting in Christ and turning from sin. But I said there were two applications of this, two sides to it. Because I want us to also speak of the riches that are in Christ Jesus. These riches poured out upon God's people. Because Christ has provided riches for his people in glory. And it is in accordance with this that God will provide. Now as we've said, Paul has this life, at least partly in mind, maybe even primarily in mind in what he's saying here. The Philippians have sacrificed for him here and now. Paul has received their benefit here and now. In verse 13, Paul is being enabled in this life to endure all things. This isn't just something for a future life. It's here and now. But yet it also does point beyond the here and now. Let me just read to you some verses from Philippians 3, just the previous chapter. Philippians 3 verse 8. This is what Paul says. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law... But that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul speaks there in verse 9 about being in Christ, something which for Paul includes sharing in his sufferings. But this has a goal. It means, he says in verse 10, knowing the power of his resurrection. It means, verse 11, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Yes, God will provide every need in this life. And that will include strengthening to undergo trials as Paul undergoes them here. But God is no miser. He intends to provide for you in accordance with his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And what is it that is available in Christ? What is it that God has earned, that Christ has earned? Now you and I, we cannot merit with God, not in that absolute sense. When you've done all that is commanded of you, you're unprofitable servants, says Jesus. You've done what it was your duty to do. But in Christ, we have the one, the divine son. He had no duty to come into this world. He had no duty to be made under the law as a man. He had no duty to die the death of the cross. He did it voluntarily when he entered into that covenant of redemption in eternity past. And this one who bore the pain of the cross. This one who had no need to undergo any suffering, let alone the penalty for sin on the cross. For he was righteous. This Christ, what has he merited as his reward? Well, God has given him the ends of the earth for his possession. He's given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And he has set him at his right hand. And we, his people, are made joint heirs with him. That's what it means for God to supply our every need in accordance with his riches. In glory in Christ Jesus. It means to be, those who are in Christ Jesus, to be given something of that reward which goes to Christ. What good will God withhold from you? When you see the basis of this grace, will you continue to doubt? 
Will you doubt that he who gave his own son will not also freely give him all things? With, give with him all things. But also, if the basis for these riches is your union with Christ, is God going to withhold these things from Christ? The one with whom you are united by faith? That can never be. What will be poured out on Christ if you are united with him will be poured out on you. He cannot withhold them from you. What then will you do with your worries? With your fears, with your refusal to serve Christ for fear that you're going to miss out in some way? Or will you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who shall strengthen you? Will you trust in the God who has promised riches in glory for his people in this life and in the world to come? Well, we come now to conclude. We've seen that God will supply the needs of his people in this life and in the age to come. He does this on the basis of Christ Jesus and his work, providing for and strengthening us in this life and with Christ giving us all things in the age to come. Truly it is true what we read in verse 19, that our God will supply every need of ours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus.